Welcome to the Unblocking Crypto Podcast. This podcast is not financial advice. It's meant for entertainment purposes only. These are just the opinions of a couple of rambling wrecks. Welcome back to episode number 80 of Unblocking Crypto. Hal, great to see you as always. I uh, appreciate it, Jason. Good to see you. So let's start off talking about some macro news. And we've been talking a lot about the spot ETF spot Bitcoin ETF here in the U.S. happening at some point or hoping that will happen at some point. The first European spot ETF was just listed in Amsterdam in the last week. And this was, I think, approved back in like 2021, but it has now taken this long to get listed. So Europe has once again outshined the U.S. when it comes to crypto. (laughs) Yeah, I I was kind of curious to see if it would make a noticeable bump you know like the first day that etfs open there's usually a flood of funds inflowing and the price is just static so i'm not sure what's that what that means yeah I, I, i'm interested to see if europe starts to kind of take off and have more adoption i mean they're at least pushing regulation through but it doesn't seem to be the area of the world that is gung-ho about crypto. Yeah. And you look at like, is it Argentina? I think just elected a new leader and their Bitcoin to whatever their dollar price is just Pesos, at all yeah. high. Yeah. 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 That's Javier uh, Malay guy. Like obviously Argentinian politics aren't on like the top of my list of things to pay attention to, but you know, the, the algorithm gives you what, it thinks you want to read. And so this guy just won the presidential primary. He's in the front runner now for winning the entire election. And Bitcoin jumped 20% in one hour after that news broke in Argentinian pesos. So the, the one of the things he stands for is abolishing the central bank and adopting the U.S. dollar in Argentina. Uh, he's very pro-Bitcoin like libertarian is kind of the the political party I see him associated with more than anything else, but it's Argentina. I mean, it's not a, it's not a needle mover, but it is one of those pieces of Bitcoin where Argentina can win. If Argentina can front run BlackRock, that's kind of one of the neat things about Bitcoin, right? You can't do that with any other asset. Yeah, no, it, it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how things go. I mean, El Salvador and, and one or two other countries have been adopting Bitcoin as a, a currency, and Argentina almost seems to be on their way to do that. So it, it is, I mean, like we've talked about in the past, these testing grounds just to prove out that it works and makes a difference is what you need to see. And countries like Argentina are ripe for testing because their inflation is at 100% plus a year. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Like, it's kind of like when you take over a project and it's just totally in the ditch and you're like, well, okay, I can't make it any worse. Let's try some stuff. You know, let's, let's get a little creative let's come up with some solutions. Worst case, this thing is just a total loss. Argentina's almost there. So yeah, a new guy comes in with new ideas. He can try something new if it fails miserably. Hey, uh, you were failing miserably before. So uh, it's a good time yeah. to take a shot. So that it'll be interesting to see kind of how things roll. I have I tried to listen to him talk or listen to something directly from him instead of 
the the filter that gives me what I want to hear on the internet, and everything's in Spanish, so couldn't do it. And uh, like I, I it, honestly, in preparation for this, because I wanted to talk a little bit about it, because what was it last year, or the year before, we were like, okay, the dominoes are going to fall. Which countries are going to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender? And, the, and we hit this this pause button globally on it, but the you know naturally everything was in spanish and i couldn't my spanish isn't good enough i can order a beer in spanish that's you know that's about it <laughs> yeah so speaking of etfs cc came out and uh, pushed out the arc invest etf filing so it delayed that a little bit and kathy mm -hmm. wood kind of came out and said she's not very surprised that, that happened and her expectation is that the sec is going to release a bunch of them all at once i think i think grayscale is a little angry about all of it because they what, tried to sue the SEC a year or two ago to try to move their futures ETF to a spot ETF and now it's still in limbo and they don't want anybody else to get a first mover advantage but at this point it's the sooner that we can have this I think the sooner everything could improve from a Bitcoin perspective. Right. I think I was looking through some notes and reading up on the ETF to see what happened this week. And it was kind of a barrage of all these different Bitcoin ETFs. I wish that there was a way to know if this is the most annoying thing the SEC is dealing with right now. Because I wouldn't think that any other asset class would be like, okay, well, here's a, here's a fifth investment house that's requesting a approval for a, an ETF in a, a REIT ETF or a commercial, you know, even a, even a short commercial real estate ETF. I, I can't imagine that there's anything more annoying to the SEC right now than Bitcoin ETFs. So I think that's still going to be one of the biggest triggers. Tom Lee was on CNBC and they talked to him a little bit about the Bitcoin ETF and he's, seemingly bullish on everything all the time and he said spot bitcoin etf in the u.s they project one hundred fifty thousand dollars of bitcoin based on the inflows on the etf alone and then if that doesn't happen you still have the having he's still bullish on bitcoin but i don't see how the sec doesn't eventually figure out a way to give the market what it wants you know it's not the sec's charter to prevent the the market from providing investment vehicles for retail investors it's theirs they just need to protect the retail investor and so if to me this doesn't seem like it seems like there's too much pressure the retail investors want it too much you know these investment houses aren't asking for or aren't petitioning for bitcoin etfs because they want it they're doing it because their customers want it so at some point, this thing's got to, they got to give way and they got to figure it out. I did see that it's likely that the grayscale lawsuit closes up soon. So it, that to me, if you talk about a first mover, that seems like they, grayscale would be the only one to get a first mover advantage because they're in a different path. Like they need to get the lawsuit settled to convert to an ETF where everyone else is just trying to get an ETF started from scratch. So they there's a potential there that Grayscale could have a, a bit of an advantage. And I think what will happen is 
they'll collect a little bit more of a fee, a management fee. And then when everybody else's ETF gets approved, they'll have to cut their management fee down to everybody else's level. But, you know, money into Bitcoin, it's, it'll be great for the Argentinian farmer who gets Bitcoin on his, on his smartphone. Yeah, what's interesting is it seems like the SEC has said, we have plenty of time with crypto, so we're going to focus on AI right now. <laughs> right. And then and then PayPal announced their stablecoin, and I think it's kind of been a wake-up call to Congress that we need to do something sooner rather than later. It's <laughs> be... way too many people. <laughs> yeah, well, it's we're getting close to like full-blown election cycle, and I just don't see them doing anything major, you know, there's a reason they passed the infrastructure bill when they did. Everybody kind of forgot about it. They did that right now. Whoever didn't vote for it would be banging the drum, you know, oh, spending inflation, blah, blah, blah. So I don't think they'll do anything major. So we're in this weird. They're holding a beach ball underwater, right? And you can only do that for so long and, and for so deep before it comes to the surface quickly. And that's kind of where the way I see it with Bitcoin right now. Yeah. Well, so the other interesting thing that happened here recently was that Coinbase was finally approved to be able to list futures on their exchange. And now they become, I think it's the first crypto platform to offer regulated and leveraged crypto futures. And the big thing about that is there seems to be kind of a hidden secret that Bitcoin futures don't really track Bitcoin right now because there isn't a place where you can do kind of both at the same time. So the the expectation is now that you can see one have one exchange that has both the uh, spot trading and the futures trading all next to each other and is regulated. It allows people to be a little bit more flexible and hopefully will help fix the futures price to make it somewhat more in a line alignment with uh, Bitcoin moving forward. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, I don't know that I really care much about futures market for me. I know it helps institutional buyers because they can hedge. I don't hedge my bullish Bitcoin position. Yeah, well, it only took them two years to finally get this approved. So, I mean, it's, it's exciting to see that it's happening. It's so fast uh, in government approval time. <laughs> And two years ago, like crypto hasn't done much in the last two years. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, what's crazy is the futures pricing hasn't, I don't think it's taken nearly the, or had nearly the appreciation that the spot Bitcoin has had. So it's, it's definitely not there. So it should allow for some arbitrage opportunities or has allowed for some arbitrage opportunities in the past. And maybe now that will become less likely and futures will track more to the spot price. Yeah. So. So the other big thing we talked about, PayPal, Ledger just made a pretty big announcement that they're going to use PayPal as a way to onboard people into crypto and directly onto your Ledger. So you can buy it in PayPal and store it directly onto your hard wallet. And they've also mentioned that they're, they have some future collaborations coming that it's all secrets right now, but it'll be exciting to see if how what that's going to mean. But I mean, the big thing that we've struggled in the past is I feel like government has tried to take away a lot of the onboarding from fiat into crypto and PayPal is now a very huge one <laughs> that a lot of people have access to. Yeah, I think even if people aren't really using PayPal for much, as long as there's a fairly easy path that doesn't require like, okay, I want to buy some Bitcoin 
I have to open a PayPal account. Uh, this is too clumsy. I'm out. You know, it's you already have a PayPal account. I'll just transfer some money in PayPal and buy Bitcoin with it. So that's that's not so bad. It would be a lot easier if you could, if Wells Fargo would do it. That would be nice. Yeah. Well, so speaking of PayPal, I mean, I know when you buy Bitcoin, one of the places that you and I both enjoy is Strike. And Strike previously was using Prime Trust as one of their custodians. They changed that back in the middle of May or near the end of May. And Prime Trust had some issues. I think it was going to sign a letter of intent to acquire them, and that kind of fell through. Well, Prime Trust just declared bankruptcy. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, good news. I mean, assuming you use Strike, and if you kept it on Strike and haven't put it into a hard wallet, then I think everything's still good. There are some customer funds that Prime Trust still has. I'm not really sure where those are from. Some weird exchanges that I hadn't even heard of before. But <laughs> once again, bad players kind of get washed out during these crazy times. Yeah, I mean, they hung in there for a long time. And, you know, if you compare it to the other bankruptcies, they must have been doing some things better or hiding things better, at least. Yeah. So speaking of hiding things, we haven't talked about SBF in a while. <laughs> he, I think we, we, we kind of did mention that he had released his girlfriend's diary pages into the news to try to maybe gain some flexibility with some of the people that were going to be on the jury or I'm not even sure what was going to happen but at the end of the day that went to court and they deemed that he's not allowed to be on bail anymore so he is back in jail until his trial which I think is supposed to be October so they said he was he was affecting too much outside of um, being in jail so his limitations are gone and think that's a good thing i don't think anybody is cheering for sbf at this point so <laughs> no he's had like the weirdest i guess it's not incarceration but as soon as he was got, got into trouble he went straight to twitter spaces and just started talking and so it's like every time you give this guy a microphone he starts talking and i don't think that his his legal defense squad or the prosecutors are going to enjoy that so you know back in jail yeah so one of the other things that I did see, we talked about Bittrex.us filing for bankruptcy as well in the in US only. Bittrex was pretty much moving out of the US because they were frustrated with the regulation. Apparently, they have finally agreed to a settlement with the SEC. I think it's like $24 million. What Bittrex Global came out and said is they weren't paying it. They were going to rely on Bittrex US to pay it and that they were happy that they were based in i think Liechtenstein and bahamas which they called some of the top jurisdictions for oversight of crypto in the world which yep. is kind of a dig, dig at the us and <laughs> we're out of here you guys suck so it is i mean bitrix is still going to keep moving on they're just staying out of the us for now so yeah i mean if you're going to build a company you can't really do it in a location that you're not confident it's going to be available to you in the long term. So this is why when countries start being Bitcoin friendly, things flood in. I mean, it, it took, I mean, it took El Salvador quite a while, but strike moved there, you know, two years after they announced. So being friendly to an industry, it takes a little bit of time, but it's effective. 
Yeah, and, and on the somewhat the same lines with these fines and regulation issues, OpenX, OPNX, the exchange that was founded by the guys from Three Arrows Capital after they went bust with Three, three Arrows Capital, they have just, I think, received another $2.7 million fine in Dubai. Uh, I think they have like a $54,000 fine that they already paid off for those guys, but it continues to be somewhat of a mess for them. And I'm not sure how they're going to be successful or who's going to want to continue to invest with them after everything they've done. I don't know. It seems, it seems like I'm not cut out to be a crypto founder. Once you get burned to the ground, like they did to come back and try it again, get the band back together. It seems I wouldn't have what it takes to do that. So I don't, I don't know what to say about these guys. I, I'm just wondering who's backing them at this point. Who thinks exactly. that they're still smart enough to do something good or that they will do something. Good? I don't know. It's just kind of crazy. Right. That, that track record. I mean, when you listen to people talk like VCs and things like that, if they have a founder that's got some success, they're all about it. But if somebody that burns them once, it, they're done. You know, they yeah. don't, you don't get a second chance. So that's, I don't know the answer to that. So one of the interesting things that I did see kind of jumping over to use cases that was kind of cool. Helium is a blockchain. I think they actually migrated over to Solana here not too long ago, but they are now having people launch decentralized 5G nodes. And they came out and listed in Miami that they're going to be offering a, a mobile service. So for $5 a month, you can get access to the Helium mobile network, which is using mainly their 5G hotspots. But when those aren't available, it uh, moves over to T-Mobile's 5G network. So, oh. I mean, this it's pretty interesting. I think it's limited to Miami only right now. Miami's trying to become this crypto haven in the U.S. anyways. For those Helium users that are are creating these these hotspots, they get rewards in, I think the token is like mobile or something like that. So it, it does kind of incentivize them to keep a 5G node up and running. But if you look at some of the cheap cell phone prices out there, I mean, most of them get down to $25. And this is somewhat for unlimited, right? I mean, they're now their unlimited platform, whatever that, uh, that they have is goes up to 30 gigs of unlimited. And then after 30 gigs, you get throttled from a speed perspective, but right. still 30, 30 gigs is a lot for most people. Right. So for $5 a month, pretty interesting. I think it'll be intriguing to see how this goes. I mean, the problem with helium right now is it probably doesn't have nearly the number of nodes out there. It's only, I don't know, 400,000, something like that. But in order to really go broad, they're going to need a lot more than that, which means there may be an opportunity there. But if they're using T-Mobile as a backup, that's pretty impressive too. Yeah, I mean, these companies, they should be motivated to do partnerships like this. You know, T-Mobile, if you're T-Mobile, AT&T, and any of the top cell phone guys, everything's commoditized now, right? Everybody knows that each of the networks has, you know, they're all pretty much the same Verizon, you know, they have different little different coverage nuances, but for the most part, you just kind of pick whichever one's got the best deal for you. Well, 
you can set yourself apart if you do things like this trying new things what's what's the downside i i don't know i maybe i'll maybe i'll find out there's a more downside than i than i think there is but if you're in the if you're in a commoditized market and you can all of a sudden set yourself apart this is a huge advantage so another interesting thing we've we've talked a little bit about xrp and their win against or semi win against the sec <laughs> lately and how it's not a security as, as soon as it gets on an exchange. Well, what has popped up now is XRP 20, which is being launched on the Ethereum blockchain. It has absolutely nothing to do with Ripple or XRP. What they've done is they have cut the price to like 1 30th of XRP and they've incorporated like a deflationary perspective. And I think a a plan to burn like 3% of the total supply over a certain time period. So, I mean, X, the XRP army is very strong out there. They've been very bullish for a lot of years, considering all the stuff that's going on with the SEC. I don't know if it's really going to be something that takes off or not, but it's just wanted to make people aware this is not XRP that is now putting their token onto Ethereum. This is somebody that I feel like is trying to take advantage of XRP and do something a little different. And whether it's a scam or a rug pull, I have no idea. I don't think it's something that I would be very comfortable in getting into. But uh, I, at the same time, I have not done a ton of research into it either. Yeah, anytime a token pops up that's basically trying to ride the coattails of something else in crypto just a scam like the shibu inu coming after doge it's like there's no point in this it's not it's it's literally just creating something that can go that can be traded in on exchanges with no real value so I, anytime like if the XRP team rolled it out and it was somehow affiliated and made sense in some way and had some use case, then I would say maybe. But if they have nothing to do with the XRP guys and then it's called XRP 20, it's, it's likely just garbage. Yeah. Jumping to NFTs real quick. Cause I think there's a lot of stuff going on over there, but one of the things that just stuck out, stuck out to me was McDonald's and they have, or they are launching some Grimace NFTs, if you remember Grimace, the character at, at McDonald's. And yeah. I think they're going to give them away for free. What's interesting about what they're doing is they're planning on making them non-transferable. So you can't trade them at all. And they will come with future benefits, which they haven't really told anybody what that's going to be. So it's intriguing that they're kind of going after this customer loyalty, trying to find the people that are going to be loyal customers and I guess, give them benefits somehow. I don't know if that's like a free small fry or <laughs> come see the McDonald's for a day. I, I don't know what it's going to be, right? But it is exciting to see some of these large companies using NFTs to help with more customer loyalty and kind of what we talked about before, right? They're testing things out. So, I mean, it's like 2000 yeah. they're giving away and let's see what happens with them. So I'm about to say words that I haven't thought through because I haven't heard about this and haven't thought about it or read about it. But if you're McDonald and you're delivering an NFT as a reward for loyalty, 
you could roll it out to McDonald's is pushing their app, right? So you can order on the app, you can get special rewards on the app, and they can track all your behavior on the app and target you and all of the benefits of why all these companies push push their app on you. They can track your location and everything. So if they are if they tag you, if you go and get your Grimace NFT that's not tradable, they can basically turn their app into a wallet right that would be easy and then that way you you know because if it was an nft that you could put into a, any other wallet then you could just give that to someone else right like that would be easy even though you can't trade it someone else could just have it if they wanted it but if it's tagged to your app on your phone with your account and your you know your favorite meals or whatever the app do then that nft kind of does have to ride with you and and not be traded and then i mean right now there would be a small segment of your customer base that would be into the intersection of nfts and mcdonald's app so i feel like that's you know but mcdonald's got a huge customer base so if they've got i don't know how many people go to mcdonald's 50 million or something so that's you know if you get two percent of that you're still talking hundreds of thousands of people using it and then once once people realize or once one person does it and there's some reward greater than what you can get without it then somebody else will do it and but you never know like if high school kids are going to think it's cool or you know some influencers are going to dig it i mean it's kind of stinks that it's mcdonald's but I mean, McDonald's doesn't seem to be in decline. So this, there's something there. There's enough there that you could kind of play with it and, and see how it goes. And you never know. It, it could become something, but that would be interesting. Like that's, a, that's an NFT, a non-tradable NFT use case that I wouldn't have come up with otherwise. It, it'll be interesting. I mean, this is in Singapore, right? It's only 2000, so it's not something that we're going to be playing around with. Oh, but if they prove it out, and they're proving it out at such a small scale, it could be kind of intriguing to say, all right, these people love having this non-tradable NFT. So it's to me, it's more of like a badge, right? You can get this badge if you go do these things. And maybe that just increases their sales because people have to go on certain days of the week and buy certain foods and attach it to their account that way somehow. And if they do enough of it, they win this. It's called an NFT, although it's not officially tradable. So... It's not truly an NFT in my in my mind, but it's still kind of. I mean, it's uh, non fungible either way. So, but it's funny because McDonald's, you know, like McDonald's has like that McRib cult following, and it no. had wasn't there like a chicken McNugget dipping sauce that was like tough to get that they released in in it made it, it like people were waiting in line for it and stuff. So was that the cranberry one that? There's just not enough cranberries in the world to do all that or something. <laughs> I can't remember what it was. I remember there was like a sauce that people were going nuts about and it was like selling on eBay and stuff. So, you know, if you're McDonald's, you're like, you know what? Maybe this thing takes off and goes nuts. Let's do 2000. That's definitely not enough. If, <laughs> if there's any traction at all, 2000 is not enough. And so who knows? I don't know. They don't, maybe they'll hit a newspaper. Maybe they'll, they'll get a headline or two and, you know, McDonald's will take that. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's exciting to see they're another one of those large brands that are getting involved in NFTs. So it's it's coming, I think, whether people like it or not. Now, the success of it is still to be determined, but 
it's cool that they're they're playing around with it, seeing where it can go. Yeah, I agree. I, I'm not a believer in NFTs to the point that I own them, but there's they're new and they're digital, and the inability to copy and paste digital things is a very interesting piece to this puzzle, whether it's Bitcoin or NFTs or whatever. There's value in having the the certificate of authenticity for something. They just haven't figured out the way to to make that value known to the general public. So I think eventually it's going to bust, and eventually something's going to something's going to click. And then when one thing clicks and it works for if it works for McDonald's, well, guess what? Wendy's, Burger King, Chipotle, all the way down the line until it's you know. Then, then other people see restaurants having success with it, and so now, McDonald or Walmart or Target or whatever will will jump on board. So, it's you got to try all this stuff, and then something will stick. And then once it, once that happens, people will start really. The more minds will be thinking about it, and more solutions to, to more problems will arise. That's all I had on my end. Anything else on your end that we missed? I think we covered it, man. I, this ETF thing is mind-boggling to me that the sec is like but well, we'll just kick the can no we'll, we'll we'll wait we'll wait yes okay we know millions of people want it no we're, we're we don't think so <laughs> we'll, we'll approve another futures another futures etf another leverage leverage futures ability through coinbase but no we're not gonna we're not gonna create a a, a spot bitcoin etf would be the closest thing to buying and and holding bitcoin it'll eat like holding bitcoin on coinbase isn't that different than buying an etf it's just on more traditional rails so that's that's i'm really paying attention to that because i feel like that's if you look at what happened for us in this bull run where michael Thaler buying up hundreds of millions and billions of dollars of bitcoin and grayscale's buying up hundreds of thousands of bitcoin and it drove the price up, you know, in a parabolic move. The ETF is what would be that, you know, it, it's got to get bigger every time. And the ETF would be bigger than those two things. So that's the, it feels like the ET, that ETF is the trigger for the next bull run. If, if things are similar than they were, you know, in the last cycle or two. Yeah. I guess the one other thing that I did, I was reading a little bit about was they think they've identified Donald Trump's Ethereum wallet from all his NFTs that he sold. So I think he had to declare on his taxes that he made about 2.8 million, I think, on selling his NFTs. So they have found his wallet and they're tracking that to see what's going on because he's constantly getting royalties because there's been a crap ton of resales on all that too. So I think he's... I think he actually even was paid like five million by somebody to to do some of this stuff, and he told everybody that it was like five hundred thousand that he got. There's long story short, he's done very well in NFTs. He's apparently not going to plan on using any of that for his presidential campaign, but it is definitely <laughs> making uh, five million dollars in, in NFT sales is is kind of interesting for doing nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, you know, he's not shy of making news. No, he's good at that. So that's for sure. Awesome. Well, Hal, as always, I appreciate you joining. 
uh, great ch catching up, and we'll talk again next week. Sounds good, Jason. Appreciate it. See ya. If all of these crypto conversations leave you with more questions and you're looking for answers, I've created a product that dives into most of those answers, including why crypto, how to set up a cold wallet, and some of the more advanced strategies for dealing with crypto. Check the link in the notes below and hope to see you there.